Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Jesse Lingard and De Gea burst West Ham's bubble. Tottenham says farewell to a legend. And Pep Guardiola has nine problems. And Jesus, Gabriel Jesus, ain't one. PSG saved by an Argentinian. No, not that one. And Juventus once again still searches for that win. I'm joined by Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, to analyze another thrilling weekend of action, including all of the games that you just saw on Sunday and so much more. Que Golazo Weekend Recap begins right now. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining. We've got big Big week coming up, by the way, on Kegolasso with two very special interviews. Uh, fans of the USMNT are not going to want to miss this, as well as a Q&A session with the one and only Fabrizio Romano that's coming up on Monday. A North London Derby special with James Bench and the Athletics' Jack Pitt-Brook. Midweek Serie A action with Marco Messina. Another bumper weekend preview and much, much more. Follow Kegolasso wherever you get your podcast and leave us a five-star rating and glowing review while you're at it. And subscribe to the Kegolasso YouTube page and hit that notification bell to catch every episode with a whole lot of bonus material. If you're watching this live on YouTube, thank you so much. Be part of the conversation. Jimmy Heath and yours truly, we want to hear your hot takes, your grievances, and questions in the comment section below, and we'll throw them up on the screen. First of all, Jimmy Conrad, how are you, brother? I'm exhausted after listening to you. That was quite an <laughs> intro. Look at you go. Fasten your seatbelts, everybody. We have a lot to talk about. Absolutely. Heath Pierce, how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. Every time you have a monologue, I imagine you in like a sold out crowd on Broadway and just <laughs> delivering that. And it just like brings me to almost a standing ovation. Almost. Thank you, man. I think it's off, 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 off Broadway, but I, I, I will absolutely take it. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, of course, part of the Sunday Magic. And my goodness, another fantastic weekend. Uh, so just coming up on today's show, we'll talk about the Premier League movers and shakers, the good, the bad, and the ugly of Serie A. More crowd trouble in League A. We want to talk with these two fellas about Jesse Marsh and his rough start with Leipzig. Uh, but let's uh, let's begin in London. Let's talk about Tottenham against Chelsea. In many ways, this was the tribute to Jimmy Greaves, of course, the you know, former England legend, the Tottenham uh, record goal scorer as well, obviously a World Cup winner, a fantastic name, a fantastic, uh, you know, human and player for both, you know, Tottenham, of course, and multiple clubs, AC Milan as well, and England. But really, Tottenham versus Chelsea. Uh, first of all, let's talk about this game. Son did start, uh, and uh, N'Golo Kante once again. Oh, Kante, but there was so much more. Jimmy, talk to me about Tottenham versus Chelsea. Well, I want to start with N'Golo Kante. As you may or may not know, he is one of my favorite players in the world, and for good reason, and I just think he exudes positive vibes. So I don't think it's a coincidence, everybody, that he comes on at halftime, and within I don't know how many minutes, they're in the lead, and then he scores on a deflection. I actually have a question for everybody watching and listening. He scores on a deflection, doesn't celebrate. Like, oh, man, that happens, no big deal. I see Ben Rama score. <laughs> for for West Ham. The guy celebrates like he's losing his goddamn mind. Dude, it's like... Hey, act like off. you've been there before, Jimmy. Act like you've been there before, huh? It went off of Verón's chest and went in. Like, I don't think you can do like a knee slide into the corner flag after a deflected... I just don't think you're allowed to do that. So I really appreciated N'Golo Conte being the later game and showing us how it's all done, okay? I just wanted to throw that out there. Oh, boo. What? <laughs> boo the boar. The boar, like, come on, you'd be so pissed if it, was, if it hit off of you. If you were Veron, you saw some dude, you you actually redirected it into the goal and some other dude's like knee sliding into the corner. You would be totally pissed. Don't stop it, Heath Pierce. So so, what I liked about Chelsea, they're getting back to the game. Not a big surprise here. 
I told everybody that I thought the best bet was Chelsea to win an under two and a half goals. So I can't tell you how pissed I was when Antonio <laughs> Rudiger scored in the 97th minute or whatever on an assist by Timo Werner, who missed like a 17 really good, chances. A really good finish is well. hey, no wonder Jimmy doesn't want him to celebrate. He wanted to take the wind out of the game at 2 0. Just be like, no, don't celebrate. Let the game just die. Just let here. it just, just take it to yeah, the corner let, and kill it off. Yeah, yeah. Take it to the corner listen, and kill it off. How good were Chelsea? They were very good. Very good. In all areas of the field, that's why I continue to think that they're the favorites, not only to win the Premier League, but also the Champions League. Yep. Heath? Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. I thought Spurs were actually decent in the first half. Um, kind of held their own, but... And I actually thought they did a good job of keeping Lukaku out of the game for, for long periods. And I think when we talked about Lukaku a lot over the past, it's been just how much of a difference maker he is. And he still found a way into the second half, obviously, with some changes, taking out... I think it was Mason Mount that came out at half. Um, and then changing the whole dynamic of the game, allowing him to get more involved and be impactful. All, although he didn't score today, you can just see the threat that he is, that teams are constantly stuck between, do we double down on him? Do we close that off? Do we sit back? And then that space starts to open up for other players to deliver. Obviously, Chelsea have enough quality to deliver in a number of different ways, set pieces and 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 kill you, you know, a hundred different ways. Uh, so overall, I, I agree with Jimmy. Chelsea, so good. I, I'm sorry that Jimmy missed his, his bet because I, yeah, I would have, I, I agree. Great. I agree with that one. Um, but yeah, overall, just, just too strong. Yeah, too strong. I, I also saw, I saw a stalemate, Jimmy. I think I told you that. And uh, mm -hmm. obviously, uh, you mentioned N'Golo Kante. I think he's, his uh, involvement obviously meant so many more things, solidified the midfield. Romelu Lukaku just gives another. By the way, Chelsea have won each of their last six away league London derbies, the longest such streak in their history, in the league history, by the way. So that's fantastic for Chelsea. All right, just very quickly on, on this game. Chelsea looked so good. Uh, Jimmy, you mentioned still your favorites to win the whole thing. Uh, the Premier League. I agree. Heath, are you with us? Oh man, I yeah, I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> man, that was a struggle. Uh, yeah, I'm a coward. I'm with you. Uh, I, I I agree. Chelsea Chelsea the favorite. I, again, I'm going off of this, and, and we'll get and we'll get to the United game. But uh, watching the momentum they have, knowing when Ronaldo tracks back. That every player around him goes, oh my gosh, Ronaldo's tracking back. I better start running hard. I, they looked a little bit uh, kind of rough in transition, Man United, but I, I can't write them off right now in my mind, even though we'll get... Uh, I, okay, I'll, I'm done talking about them. Yes, Chelsea are my favorites right now. <laughs> okay, well, then, I, I wanted to just quickly add one more thing before we move on to the next game about Harry Kane. Uh, Jimmy, Harry Kane failed to score in his first four Premier League appearances for the season for the first time since 2015-2016. Uh, you know, in fact, here's another one for you. Aspilicueta, Diego Silva, Marcos Alonso, all five had more touches in the opposition box than Harry Kane, who had two. Uh, is that his fault? Nuno Spirito Santo. What's going on? What's going on, Jimmy? Uh, I would say it's a mixture of a few things. One, it's Harry Kane probably dropping a little bit deeper into midfield or into wide areas as he did quite successfully under Jose Mourinho, where he dropped a ton of assists to human son running through, making those deep runs. With the way Chelsea's set up, they obviously limit a lot of space. Ultimately, if he's up there going to act as the proper nine, he's going to be with three center backs. They've got that double pivot right in front. When they add N'Golo Conte into midfield and take Mason Mount off, which is what they did at halftime, that means there's even less space in that, those areas that he would like to occupy in the half spaces, as, as uh, Heath would like to say. And so it's hard. I mean, Chelsea are very disciplined in how they move defensively, and they know who they are and what they're about. And I still don't know if Nuno has figured out exactly how to get the most out of everybody. I, in some ways, I still think there's going to be some baggage, some emotional baggage with Harry Kane, maybe not fully being, not that he's not committed to the cause, but he wanted to move and it didn't happen. And I still think that's going to take some time for him to, to properly get over. Whether we can say he's a professional athlete, he makes X amount of money, whatever, it doesn't matter. Still a human being, still have to work through that. Hingman's son seemed like he was pushing high a little bit too. So maybe they were moving around about who was going to be the nine. I don't know. It was a bit of a risk. Obviously, it felt uh, not that I didn't mind the lineup from from Nuno, given everybody that he had at his disposal. And obviously, a pleasant surprise to see Hingman's son. But it still felt like a hopeful lineup to really break down Chelsea. And I just don't feel like they had the momentum that they needed to kind of go in there and really go toe to toe with those guys. What do you think, Heath? Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I I also feel like it reminds me a little bit of if you guys remember the the Aubameyang, uh just uh, new contract saga that lasted forever. The exhaustion that it puts on the fans, on the players, on the locker room, and all these things with the Kane thing is no different. You're not talking about one player in, one player out like you have at a Chelsea or at a Man City. 
These are clubs that are built around some of these players that have proven themselves first and then gotten the money later, right? Aubameyang, yeah, he was proven, but he came in, did really, really well. And all of a sudden, there seems to be this ego leak into this locker room where it's about them and less so the team when it was the team that helped them to sort of deliver uh, on their promise on, on their arrival. So I think it can be pretty taxing, uh, not just for, for, for Kane or, or the staff, but for the players, the fans. Everything just kind of adds that little bit of pressure. So then you start seeing him changing his game a little bit. He's tracking back differently than he would before. The team's out of this rhythm. There might be still a little bit of that lingering effect uh, because the team is essentially built around him and Son and previously Deli Ali, who fell out last year under Mourinho, but still um, under these two players. So it's just it's it's not good enough for a player of that quality. And I just wonder if it's if it's just him or if it's him and, and the players around him that are just sort of um, a little bit of a fracture there. Yeah, well, one thing's for sure. Uh, between that two-all draw and the Europa Conference League against Rennes, they lost 3 nothing to Crystal Palace, and now they lost 3 nothing to Chelsea. So there's something to be said there. All right, let's move on. They've got a lot of games here. Jimmy Conrad, West Ham, Manchester United. Uh, exciting game. Ronaldo, by the way, four goals in three games, two penalty claims. David De Gea, his first penalty save in 40 attempts for club and country, first since April 2016, and that was against Lukaku. And David Moyes sending on Mark Noble for the penalty, uh, <laughs> our producer. Did you watch the, uh, the 2020 final, by the way, on that one? <laughs> All right, so what do you make of this game? Obviously, uh, we wanted to see an exciting game. It, it was in, in many ways 2-1 to Manchester United. Well, what I want to remind everybody is that in our weekend preview, I nailed... I think all four of my bets from this game, I said Man United to win in over two and a half goals, plus 150. United to win both teams to score, plus 230. And I said, if you want to take that next step, CR7 to score, United to win 2-0, 2-1, or 3-1 is plus 450. Got Prediction God status confirmed <laughs> with regard to this game, which is well, making up for me barely missing this. Yeah. Listen, don't trigger me again, okay? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still dealing with it. I'm still processing it. And I actually think I said that CR7 to score first for United is plus 160. And he did, which is anyway, that aside, I didn't actually think that Manchester United played great. And mm. it, it it's crazy that they can figure out a way to continue to get results, especially away from home when they don't play particularly well. They went back to the double pivot of McTominay and Fred, and they lost out on one of the wingers. They had Pogba kind of as the left-sided midfielder slash winger, I would say. And I actually don't mind that because as we've discussed before on the podcast, if you have Ronaldo up top as the nine, he naturally drifts off to the left, which is where he ran into Jaden Sancho in, a, in the previous game against Newcastle. And then you got Luke Shaw bombing forward. So there's really no space for an out-and-out -out left winger. So Paul Pogba could be that solution because you're creating width from Shaw and you're having Ronaldo drift. But that still means you need somebody kind of occupying the center backs. You can't always have in Ronaldo drift and then nobody in that pocket of space. That means somebody else is going to have to bomb forward. Bruno Fernandes is trying to do that. He had Mason Greenwood obviously trying to fill those holes as well. I still feel like you can add another attacking player. That's where I'm trying to go. McTominay and Fred, yes, that helps them have get results, but it, I don't think it's going to help them win a league per se. So I have a lot to unpack there. But, but ultimately, yeah, there's bigger storylines than that. Jesse Lingard obviously... Scoring an absolute banger. And I just want to give a shout out to Jesse Lingard because he's coming off of a week where he made the mistake that led to young boys getting that goal. And then for him to come back and now score the game winner, that speaks a lot about the player as a human being, and as a person, to not get down on himself, to keep looking forward, to, to make a difference with the next play. And it was an absolute screamer, by the way. And West Ham he should have celebrated, him. Jimmy. He should have celebrated. I don't know. Well, no, I don't know if he should have done a knee slide against a team that he actually had great memories with last season on loan. But he's right. only an on loan player. So, Heath, we could get into that for sure. Yeah, what I, was, I think he should have celebrated. Whatever. Like, you want to learn, man. <laughs> all I'm saying is that with him scoring that banger, West Ham has to be looking at it as why didn't we just pay what United wanted for him? Why not just, mm -hmm. just pay for the guy? Yeah, whatever. Five, 10 million over value. But we get this player that loved being here, that that made everything better on and off the field. And then when you see him put this dagger in the top corner in the 89th minute, you're like, God damn it, just pay the five or six million. So that's what I have to say about that. But yeah, with the Mark Noble stuff, obviously pretty unlucky there. I fully, I fully agree with that. Um, and the Mark Noble thing, it just every time that happens, it reminds me of Jimmy. I don't, what was it? Brianna Scurry, the old thing where they put her in for the um the shootout and it was the big first thing that hope solo had the big falling out because they mm -hmm. took her out that she started every game, That's but right. she had been good in penalties or right. like in, in like youth basketball when they'll sub somebody in for the free throws and you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, for certain things, it just, it just seemed odd. And I'm like, look, if he took one touch in the game, just one touch, I'd be like, he's gotten a feel for it. Let him have it, you know, yeah. but to go yeah. in cold with no feel 
he was, I was like watching his eyes. He was looking around. He wouldn't look at the goal. I was just like, I don't know if, if he, if this is what he normally does or what. And again, I know De Gea hasn't uh, saved one in, in forever and he hasn't missed one in forever, but it just seemed like, well, that was the recipe for, for, <laughs> for how, how the, both those records end. But Again, to go back to my point earlier about uh, Ronaldo is there's an energy, and I, I don't believe this energy can hold up all, all season long. I don't think they played particularly well for long stretches. They didn't look great, but there was an energy about them, like a, like a, um, a, a, a belief. A belief. Oh, yeah. yeah like, and and this, this idea that like, this energy is going to win out. That energy is going to create the momentum that they need, and it's going to create the chances. Granted, take away the last minute with the, with the, with the handball and the penalty and whatnot. Uh, there was just this belief system and, and you could see at times again where Ronaldo tracked back one and you could see it wake up the players around them who I didn't see waking up in these types of scenarios uh, in seasons past where they were chasing and then he'd get past Ronaldo. They get the next guy would come and they'd swarm him. They would press. There was just this like if you Very think the, Manchester United. Exactly. Yeah. If, you, if you think back to that old uh, Ferguson era, we look back at it as this glorious, beautiful thing. But I remember how many times that, uh, even like the Dwight York, Andy Cole era where they'd pick off a back pass and go down and score off of a good press or a team that's just, again, smelling a little blood in the water and then would just attack on them or just pounce on them and like never let them breathe. And then obviously the quality wins out over time. And I just saw that where I'm like, I don't think Ronaldo can do that ever. I don't know if you guys watched long periods of that, but he was back to his step over antics again and doing the things that he did old man United when he was there before. Yeah, and I'm he like, loves being here. I think yeah. he loves being in Manchester. The, the, the difference is though, I think is that back then they had uh Paul Scholes, they had a uh, Roy Keane. They had a good midfield to protect this Ladies. one. Aside from the, exactly this one, aside from the Ronaldo magic, they're still going to be super vulnerable in the midfield. So I want to see what happens at, to your point, what happens later in the season. So I wonder that's going to be my biggest question mark for Manchester United, especially when they face with all due respect, West Ham are a great club, but we you know with really tough opposition, we're talking top four uh, what can they do? Because Jimmy, that will be the decider whether they can be a real title contender. But, 100%. By, the, by the way, Jimmy, real Go quick, Jaden Sancho is a world-class player coming off of the yes. bench, and he yeah. hasn't found his rhythm there yet, and he hasn't found the things that we all expected him when they were going to pay a gazillion dollars for him six months ago or a mm. year ago. But, uh, you know, you're sitting with a double pivot, and they still looked chaotic in transition. They, they gave up chances. They could have been scored on. They were in decent positions, but they didn't look comfortable uh, in, in sort of the, the, any sort of counterattack situations or any sort of transition moments. Sorry. That's my last point. No, no. I want to, I, I was going to, basically I was going to say the same thing. They have to get rid of that double pivot. I think if they're going to really want to win the league, I just don't know if any of the players that can play that particular position right now, McTominay, Fred or Matic is the guy just, just to be able to run that spot by themselves. Now, Matic I was, say, he was the guy. Yeah, potentially. <laughs> uh, yeah. A 10 years ago. ago, but, but, that's, I think, going to be the one thing that's going to help them unlock because they, I feel like they need that one more extra player in midfield that can actually help them transition in a way that can do it consistently and and allow Bruno Fernandes to be a little bit higher up the field and allow Paul Pogba to not have to drop so deep to get a ball and, and spray him from a little bit deeper. And, and so I think that's going to prove to be necessarily on their undoing. I think they have a, a squad that's going to help them win 85% of their games. But is it going to be enough for them to leapfrog over a Liverpool or a Chelsea or a Man City? That's the key. That's I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Not. Not at yep. this moment. They're going to be close, and they're going to be in the conversation. But for them to actually leapfrog it and then hold those teams off for ten months, I don't see it. Yeah, to go through what they go through every single game so far this season to get yeah. the results they Let, have uh, is not sustainable. Yeah. Let's uh, move on to Manchester City because they, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, you know, we talk about how good they are, but you know, you need. A clinical number nine. It, it can't just be all this pass and move stuff. And Man City drew with Southampton. Should Pep Guardiola be worried? This is a question to both of you. Up next, by the way, Wickham Wanderers. Uh, you know, watch out for that. But Chelsea away, PSG away, Liverpool away after that. So that's that's big. Heath, Man City, Pep Guardiola, should he be worried? I feel like we go through this constantly with them, and there's obviously a stubbornness to him changing any of that. Again, if you're a if you're top number nine in the world, is that a club that you would want to go to and get touch the ball three, four times every so often because it's such a rhythmic type of play? I think that's a hard sell for any top player. The game would have to evolve. The system would have to evolve. Obviously, without a Phil Foden or without a Kevin De Bruyne, I think you don't have the ability to stretch these teams in a different way or have somebody that can unleash that final pass from a deeper position 
to to um, unbalance these teams. I, I, I'm a firm believer that we saw with Lukaku. You add a real number nine, it changes the whole dynamic. And of course, Chelsea played completely different than Manchester City. But it's not uh, Raheem Sterling, who, who I think started at the number nine in, in this game. It's not Gabriel Jesus. And eventually those two guys, they want action. They want to be involved. They start tracking back further and further. And they don't have enough of this rhythm to fill that gap or fill that space or continue to keep that back, back lines honest and threaten them in little tiny hold-up play or little tiny diagonal runs or popping in and out of spaces or getting into channels, things like that, that a, a true number nine can do for you. And we continue to see this uh, pattern over and over again. And they, they somehow seem to figure it out when they get De Bruyne back on the field and the game changes or they get other players. But you see when he comes onto the field, it changes their ability, uh, their, their threatening ability. But again, we're talking, the theme that I, that I can't get past in any of these teams is, is depth. You need depth. And when the depth isn't there, when you're not starting your best 11 or your best 15 even, because you have all these games happening, the game sort of falls apart for City right now. We're seeing it not necessarily happen when they when the depth gets tested for Liverpool right now, when Chelsea gets tested for depth. We're not seeing this drop-off or almost like they need to go with a different type of system of play that's going to break teams down because they're struggling a bit. I'm surprised, to your points, Heath, that at the very least, Manchester City doesn't have their own Eric Chupa Moting, you know, mm -hmm. some yeah. guy, some number nine, you know, that you you dirty work the last 20 minutes, yeah. Yeah. last yeah. 20, like if you're down a goal, you can just throw in the big Peter crouch, you know, to get on the end of some crosses where all of a sudden the tiki taka, the, the aesthetically pleasing style of play that Pep Guardiola wants to play. Is it working or teams have started to figure out how to make it less dangerous, right? And when we see Southampton, we should give them some credit. I mean, they only gave up zero shots, one shot on goal, which is pretty impressive against a team that's as talented as City. They're doing something right. It, it's not a great game for anybody watching, for either team or the neutrals. But but there's something to be said, to Heath's point, not only running the channels and creating some, some verticality into your team, which most teams don't do against City anyway because they usually just drop it to the top of their box. But at least you can hit in some crosses from deep and you know that you have a guy that can get on the end of it, or he can knock down a second ball, and then you can have a De Bruyne or a Foden or whoever run onto it and smash it from home. They don't have anything like that. So I find that quite surprising that, okay, they can feel sorry for themselves and get Harry Kane, and Daniel Levy told them to shut it, whatever, I don't know how many times. But why don't you go get a Chupamotin, a, a guy like that, to your point, just, just can get uh, LME to, to just get on the end of stuff, last you know, 15, 20 minutes, just to give it a different look so that you can start to be a little bit more vertical in your play and then start to clean up the second balls and play from there. I don't know. That that really surprises me. Now, Pep's never really had that type of player in his team, frankly, so maybe I'm asking him to be somebody he's not. No, but, it's, but, a valid, it's a valid point. It's a valid I don't know. point. I don't know. Like, it's, it's like, it. it doesn't even have to be a Chupamo, somebody like a Callum Wilson, somebody that you can just, just give something, something, right. something hey, extra. Louise, let me ask you guys this then. is is it, Would Harry Kane be the answer to that? Would he be like knowing what you know now about Harry Kane, the style of play that he has, the way that Manchester City played, the way that he started this season? Is would he solve that nine problem for for Manchester City? Well, I think that the way that he started the season is partially because of things <laughs> that didn't go his way at the beginning. So right. I, I think I think maybe entering okay, take, take out take out take out this season, but but uh, but Harry Kane does he solve the problem? Well, yeah, because because when you have Man City's uh, trio quartet of just insane talent that provides so much, all the way from uh, Riyad Mahrez, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, of course, if they both were there at the same time, that's left to be discussed. I think yes, he would have done. But to Jimmy's point. You don't need that. You can also have somebody that can just go in there, give you 20 minutes. The point is one single tiny number, not tiny, I don't want to discount Gabriel Jesus, but one number nine just there is not enough. You need something else. If you want to win the Premier League, the Champions League, and be the Goliath that you say you are. I think Harry Kane would have solved it, but there are other answers. To Jimmy's point, sometimes a plan A, when it's not enough, you need a plan B, and that can be a backup striker. Also somebody that maybe knows the league kind of well and kind of knows right. how to just last 15 minutes. I, I don't know. I'm thinking about like Dominic Calvert-Lewin would be, yeah, that a, been a, excellent. A, a pretty decent addition to city for these types of purposes. Would he go? I'm sure that the pull of probably winning a trophy of some sort would but be the there, thinking, but, but thinking of getting somebody like that. Yeah. 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 But somebody in that category yeah. who maybe he's not the right pick, but, but somebody but I, like that. I, 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 I sorry. I, I last thing I want to say on that is the other thing that I think is important, just out, out different than actually delivering, 
is just being able to give a different look to an opponent. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Literally having somebody give a different look changes their ability to prep for you, to adjust on the fly, to make things different. Again, you don't need a world-class person there. But if you can, uh, uh, if, if people, the one thing you know is how, uh, how Man City are going to approach you. Now, yeah. they possession you to death. They have the quality, but they need nine players to be very, very good to break uh, a solid team down. And normally they do. But when they don't, they can go on these dry spells that we saw in uh, fall of, of, of last season as well before they kick it into gear. And then they, they build this confidence that they can break down anybody. But when it's not going, just having another player that can just give you something different, just a different look that makes teams go, okay, whoa, hold on. Let's, shit, let's change the way that we're going to play against Manchester City because we don't know how they're going to roll out. Could really be a game changer for them. Before yeah, he got hurt, before he got hurt, I bet you Raul Jimenez would have been a nice addition. To Maybe. Now, I mean, I, yeah. I told you that a long time ago. I know, I know you did. And, the city. And the, yeah. yeah, it definitely shows now because they do lack a little bit of what he's saying, that unpredictability of like, okay, now we have to we have to guard this and that and this and that. Yeah. And now it just yeah. seems as hard as it is to maintain possession against those guys. Uh, you still need something, a little bit more diamondism, as we're seeing yeah. with Lukaku and Chelsea. We are all in agreement. All right, let's move on. Let's wrap up the rest of the Premier League, by the way. As you can see, Liverpool, by the way, and Chelsea remain uh, perfectly balanced right now. Exactly the same results, exactly the same scores. And listen, Des Norris, you cannot allow me to just move on without saying, you congratulate everything that <laughs> I have seen of oh, Bailey. Leon Bailey, 21 minutes, absolutely changes everything. 3 nothing against Everton. Have it, as our friend Ian Poggio would say. And that's it. That's all I wanted to say about the rest of the Premier League. Yeah, everybody else, uh, you can see right there. I, I want to add that I had Sadio Mane scoring first for Liverpool. Well done. He did. Yeah. And well, I just, just want to throw that out. I'm honestly on fire, minus stupid Chelsea <laughs> and Antonio Rudiger. But otherwise, I would have hit all my bets. I love yeah, it. You well bastard. Done. You bastard. Uh, yeah, Jack Graylish is great, too, by the way. At least... <laughs> I, I know that you say that like the show must go on and your club over player, but that's a player that I'm just like, I, I might be ready to leave my club for him because he, <laughs> he actually looks really good at City as well. Who like, is that? Who? Uh, the guy, um, your former Kevin, captain. Kevin uh, DeGraylish. Kevin DeGraylish. <laughs> Kevin DeGraylish. <laughs> no idea. And Arsenal beat Burnley. Well done, uh, Arsenal. Well done, All Arsenal. right. Yeah. <laughs> Martin Odegaard, let's go. We are going to take a break. Uh, if you're listening uh, on audio, taking a break. But if you're watching this live on YouTube, stay right here. Because Kegolasso Weekend Recap with Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce. We'll be right back. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town. And they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Hey, everybody, we are back. We are here. Kego Lasso, Weekend Recap, and let's talk about the remaining fixtures that happened around Europe. By the way, before we get going, the transfer window might be closed, but the business behind the scenes never stops. Fabrizio Romano will be on the show tomorrow for a Q&A special. So if there's anything that you want to know about your club or the state of your favorite players' contract negotiations, then send your questions to at Pod on Twitter. So Fabrizio Romano will be able to answer everything. And uh, he usually does in multiple languages, by the way, which is uh, always pretty impressive. All right, let's talk about this. Juventus, AC Milan. My goodness. Uh, first of all, Juve still search for that win as they draw 1-0 against AC Milan. A pretty exciting game. I think uh, Alvaro Morata's finish was fantastic, but obviously uh, that was canceled out, and uh, they share the spoils there. Jimmy Conrad, Juventus, AC Milan 1-0. Thoughts on this, by the way? Can we roll back the clip? I said a draw on this one, plus 250. Oh, I just want to throw it out there. Dude, on fire, by the way. Maybe my best ever weekend preview <laughs> in terms of bets. Now, now, 
This wasn't a big surprise to me to see that this game ended in a draw. Uh, up until this point, AC Milan, or now that they've included this draw, are unbeaten in 28 of their last 30 away from home in Serie A. You knew they were going to come with something. They actually had a chance with Kalulu there at the end. Chesney made a great save to keep it at 1-1 when Milan was trying to steal the points. But but yeah, I'm not I'm not too surprised. It looked like that they they started to uh, Juve probably looked the cleanest in terms of their movement team shape wise and all that type of stuff, but it wasn't enough for them to to kind of create those opportunities that they needed to really punish Milan and and I think that's going to probably be the next thing that Allegri's working on as he starts to continue to evolve with this team. But it is nice to see. I thought Dybala was very active, especially in the first half. Yeah, took great. up the spots in, in a lot of good pockets, which is important for him to build confidence as well. Morata's goal was very well taken. I think everybody thought, ah, he's going to miss it because he's in one-on-one. But he ends up scoring this one. And and Is this I the just, best starting 11 for Juventus, Jimmy Conrad? When we take a look at it with Chesney, Chiellini, Danilo, Alexandro Bonucci, Quadrado, Rabio, Locatelli. Yeah, I mean, we, we could argue that's probably... I mean, I would probably add Chiesa in instead of Bentaker. So should they be doing more? Rabio, than maybe I Rabio. I mean, obviously, I want McKinney in, but that's that's because I'm extremely biased as an American. But I, I would say that everything looks pretty good there. But you got to find a way to keep for Chiesa get it to get into the team. So mm. I don't know. Bentaker drops off or Rabio, probably Rabio. But you have options. This is going to provide some depth. But Chiesa needs to be in the team. This just felt, by the way, like a, a more of a safe. Uh, lineup mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. me, uh, mm-hmm. safe yeah. defensively, you know, kind of experience wise, but I don't know if it's their best because I'm still worried. And and don't get me wrong, I, I agree with Jimmy. Dibalo is very active. I think he's capable of of putting the team on his back in terms of launching the the uh, a dangerous attack. And and Murata obviously as well gets gets uh, a great goal. But I don't when I look at that team, I don't see a Scudetto team. I don't see right. a, a Champions League team. I think defensively they were sound. I think they are capable of killing the game and making the rhythm fall apart and making it really difficult for opponents. But I just don't see where the threat then comes. And so to answer your question, is this their best 11? I, I'm I'm afraid it, it might be. I agree with Jimmy that that maybe getting more time with Moise Keane, Chiesa as well, I, you know, Delict or McKenney. It's all relative, I think, in terms of of quality of what you're going to get differently. There's not one player that's on the bench that I'm like, they're they're getting robbed, you know. And and that's I think is a little bit of a problem. I look at the bench or I look at the depth uh, of the squad. Yeah, they're 18th. <laughs> right yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't look at one player and I go, oh yeah, that they they they're you know they've they've had a falling out with the manager or oh, this would change everything for them. I, and and then I look at the back line and go again, defensively very safe. But I want all I want to do is see this chart of like the point of diminishing returns for these older center backs that I think mm-hmm. are really good, but they're still a little bit of a step off. They play a little bit too safe. You know, they'll clear it out into the stands. They're a step late to things like that. They read the game incredibly well. No disrespect. These guys are living legends. Yeah, yeah. However, if you look at AC Milan versus Juventus, you see a team that's on the rise with youth and energy, and they're going to continue to get better. And I just mm. don't see Juventus getting better. They're only going to get worse with this squad. You can't just like incrementally better, better in terms of results. But overall, as a squad, I just don't see how the squad like starts to become a in three months from now, like we talk about a Man City when they're off or others that we go, okay, there they are again. I just don't see them. They, they're going to get better with results, but I don't see them getting better as a team in terms of being a threat in Europe. What I'll say really quick is that I think with Chiesa, it does give them a little bit better balance because a Marata can be kind of the point man and Dybala and Chiesa can balance each other out as you have Sandro and, and Quad, Quadrado coming up either side. Without Chiesa, I just don't think they're as dangerous. They're not, you're like, all right, we got to worry about two guys, you know, because Bentecourt, Locatelli probably aren't going to hurt us. Quadrado, yeah, okay, he's going to hit some balls from deep and he'll try to get to the end line and maybe try to whip some stuff across pretty predictable we just have to make sure we manage the runs you know and the guys that are running into the box yeah no one's running at you is what you're saying you need to run at you you need somebody that has a little bit of that that's gonna break the lines he's gonna pull one defender he's gonna beat somebody because once he beats somebody that's gonna force another defender to step to him and that's when the space opens up which i think marata and or dibala can take advantage of and if he wants to play it wide out to quadrado he can but uh yeah, it's really interesting times. I agree with Heath, though. I think Juve, with regard to diminishing returns, they're going to be working through an evolution or a revolution of, of the, the old players and bringing in the new, whereas Milan, I think, is already there. As Yes, they've got some war, war horses and Zlatan and Giroud up top, but ultimately in 
some other areas of the field. They are young and vibrant, and I think the future is very bright. All right. Well, let's uh, keep going here. By the way, more Serie A. Igor Tudor leads Verona to shock win over Roma. Jimmy Conrad, sorry about that. Gianluca Buzio got his first Serie A assist, but Venezia lose to Spezia in injury time. And uh, some other Serie A results here from our producer, Des Norris. Evie can post it up, by the way, as he does that. Just want to quickly remind you, by the way, as I said at the very beginning of the show, we have some uh, Serie A talent joining the show this week. So that should be fun. But some other results, by the way, and while we still wait, by the way, I'll hear they are. So, you know. Inter Milan, Inter by the way. Inter Milan went nuts, boys. Uh, what mm. do you think of that? Jimmy. For me, I think it confirms that they are still the front runners to win the Scudetto. That would be back-to-back for them. They haven't really missed too much of a beat with Simone, Simone Inzaghi, excuse me, in, in charge. I know they had an unfortunate midweek loss at home to Real Madrid. But that aside, that blemish aside, I think they've been pretty good in Serie A so far, and, and they look up for it. Six goals is no joke. Yeah, they were so... Oh, it, no. I, I, by the way, I, w- I wish we had... I, I should have told Des to grab a couple of these screenshots uh, for the people watching this live. The counterattacks from Inter Milan and the pace at which they were counterattacking, they were winning balls in their back with really good sort of strong blocks, and then they would go with six or seven players that would finish off the plays in the box, it would be three players attacking in the box, three more following underneath. Like they were taking these strategic chances that 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 led to these these goals. I think there was like two or three of of their six goals were just really efficient counterattacks where they win the ball, one pass to break the first line of pressure, and then they're just running like route one, all of them straight until they get into deep wide areas where they can whip a ball in and either win a second ball or, or put it in. I think there's something something to be said uh, about that type of effort that. Uh, again, it's just ca- catching. T- it's a, it's a strategy more than it is a talent or a skill set. And I think mm-hmm. that type of strategy of knowing when a team is uh, overloaded or unbalanced to just one two passes when you know you have speed on the flanks or over the top to just go down the field and punish teams makes it so hard for anybody to come back because you get one of those or get two of those like did in this case in the first half and you're like, okay, this game's over. This game's over. They're going to have to now send more players forward and take more chances, which then opens up that that Pandora's box to just uh, bury them. Yeah, Inter Milan are looking very good. All right, let's move on here because a game that just uh, finished uh, just before we started here, PSG against Lyon. Everybody, everything just looked like a draw. Uh, Messi and Mbappé name are started, by the way. And, uh, you know, first of all, it, it was uh, a little, a little again, another hesitant performance. And if you saw the clips, uh, Pochettino took Messi out, you know, before the game ended, he was not happy. He left him hanging. Uh, Messi left Poch hanging, by the way, but it was Mauro Icardi that took the three points. Uh, Jimmy, PSG against Lyon. PSG get three points, but again, okay, well done, I guess. Nothing overly impressive. What'd you make of it? Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I think our expectations are super high, let's be honest. I mean, you have this this roster, this squad that's so talented and has accomplished so much, both individually and collectively, that we just expect them to just be dropped on the field and everything's going to work out. And I don't think it's that simple. Thankfully, it's not that simple, right? Because then they would go on to win everything. And, and I think we like that it's a little bit more complicated and that they do have to figure out how to beat all these teams and do it consistently. And Mauricio Pochettino, the manager, has a tall Tall order. I mean, it's great that you have all these players, but how do you keep everybody happy? Obviously, Messi not giving him a high five, though we could argue he probably just didn't want to go sit next uh, on the bench next to Mauro Icardi uh, for five or six minutes until Icardi came in <laughs> and then uh, scored the game winner after coming on with eight minutes. Now, Icardi could be a nice fit for Manchester City if they're looking for a number nine that can bang in some goals, trying to link those two conversations. I, I just don't think they've, they've got their 11 figured out yet. They don't have a full roster. Not everybody healthy yet. They're getting closer to that, of course. It was nice to see Nuno Mendes start. I think the young left back is going to be probably their most important signing, not only for the short term, but for the long term. He's a tremendous player. I like his game a lot. Uh, Mbappe obviously still being super influential. And Messi, if he's unhappy, we know that that never ends well. But, you know, he didn't have to make the decision to go to PSG, and he did. So, I don't know. It's it's interesting times for PSG. They're going to work through it. You know, I'm not, I'm not ultimately too worried about it. And they'll go on to win the league and probably win every domestic trophy. But uh, the Champions League, I don't know. I don't think it's so certain. There's there's a depth uh, to this team that I think is going to be a challenge for them. Uh, and I don't usually say depth is a challenge because that is my sort but of theme. point, Heath, before uh, I'll interrupt quickly, Silvio uh, Noriega says the midfield still needs improvement. That's part of your depth uh, argument there, uh, Heath Pierce. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more of if you're going to have these three players on the field, 
you're the players whose names we don't need mentioning. You are going to have to have workhorses around them. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to have people. Those are three players, you know, uh, that that are not going to defend very often. They're all going to do the classic Thierry Henry, do a big track back after losing the ball, slide tackle. The crowd goes crazy. Everybody loves them. They get the next 20 minutes off because they ran back to, to make a tackle. But you're talking about major gaps. And in the modern game, you can have one, maybe two, if you've got the right team behind you, right? And they're still missing uh, some of their best players. You know, Hakimi came on, Wijnaldum can obviously Marco be a Marco Verratti, of yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then and then Sergio Ramos. You have these but guys. Yeah, producer that- Ness is saying he put some respect on Ander Herrera's <laughs> name. Hey, Ander Herrera is the best player at PSG and the best goal scorer PSG has this season. So <laughs> I'm not, I, I have, I have no, I have no uh, disrespect to him. I'm saying that you're going to have to have an, another level or another understanding. Again, we know it's complicated. On paper, you go, these guys should crush everybody. And maybe once they find the best 11, they will. But before these mm-hmm. players were playing and they were rotating their squad early on in the season, I can't remember who they were playing against. It was a lower table team in Liga, and I was watching it, and they were giving up a lot of chances defensively already. Claremont. And that it, it may have been Claremont, yeah. And they were just giving up a shot after shot like in, in the attack. And I'm like, this is before you have all – these guys weren't even playing yet. And that's a, that was a little bit of a, a red flag for me. And then you put on these other players where you know you're defending in a block of six for the for the whole game uh, for the most part. Because if Di Maria is involved in the attack, you can't ask him to come back every single time. And all these other players. So I I think there's a lot that you have to figure out. An understanding of like, hey, there's an age issue for for these guys. What's the best rotation for them? Are they best when they're all together? Should you be subbing one for another to just have this constant like? power dynamic that makes them unstoppable, right? You take one off, you put another on that's got fresh legs. I, I think there's something powerful to that than trying to jam all your best 11 on the field and hope that you can just go, oh, they'll figure it out. It's going to be a problem for Pochettino. He has to figure it out very quick, by the way, because I just, you know, PSG fans will be impatient, definitely in the Champions League. By the way, just very quickly, there was some more stupidity, ridiculousness between Lance and Lille, some uh, crowd trouble there. Obviously, the ground... Uh, struggle to contain them what's going on in league r by the way like do they need to learn lessons from the premier league which is kind of insane jimmy i I think they're still bitter that their their season got cut short right remember all (laughs) the other leagues figured out a way to kind of maintain it and league i was like no we're done and by the way we're also going to not do the ball on door because it wouldn't be fair maybe they don't have their deserved it i'm still bitter about it but maybe they don't have their free uber eats account (laughs) (laughs) But now, but now the fans are back. This is obviously a big derby between these two particular clubs. Uh, not only that happened at halftime, so they're at least respectful enough to wait until the teams were at, at, in the in the locker rooms uh, getting the new tactics for the second half. It delayed the game. They were actually talking about whether they should suspend it or not, but they came back a uh, thirty minute delay, and then uh, Lunds uh, came on to to win it. But um, yeah, I don't know. The fans are back. That's their first derby back since the pandemic. So I guess everybody was pretty eager to you know, get their dancing shoes on and yeah. uh, start some swinging as well. Very NBA post-lockdown, as our producer <laughs> is saying, by the way. And he's played to an empty stadium today, by the way, beating Monaco 2-1. So maybe fans uh, shouldn't be around if you want to get your team to win. Yeah, Heath. Hey, they already had, they've had a full league away uh, tra- uh, uh, sub- oh, a traveling supporter ban for mm. seasons in the past. I was there in 2019. There was no away fans allowed. And so this is not something new. But they had a nice little gap. They had a break. People got to watch it from home. And then uh, the pandemic happens. Like, these are some cooped up fans that I think are having to uh, uh, let out a little bit. But this whole, like, running onto the field, you know, clearing clearing these things, just like, it, it's just chaos and it's havoc. And I, I think I told you guys the story before. I watched this documentary, and I'll make it quick, about Justin Bieber and the and the security of those things where they say, like, uh, like 50 teenage girls could trample anybody and anything and like the power of that type of energy could trample anyone. There's no, there's no safe space in those types of things. When you have that kind of energy and you have drinking and you allow, that's why they shifted a lot of these European games to day games instead of night games in a lot of countries, because they're like, Oh yeah. Then they are drinking all day long. Things get a little more violent. It gets dark. You can't do these things. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. They've had the away ban before. And I just think that you have to slap some serious sanctions on the clubs, hit them financially. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you got to hit them on the fans. Uh, and yeah. it sucks for fans because there's a lot of really good fans at all these teams that are going to pay the ultimate price for this. And it's generally your younger hooligan ultras that are 
getting into trouble, that are looking for trouble, that are looking for problems. And even when there's a way, even when there's a way bans, like there was when I was in Marseille in 2019, they were still looking for fights around the stadium for fans that like just were like trying to find these organized fights. So it's it's uh it's it's unfortunate and definitely needs to be uh you know dealt with. Harshly. I think you should be reprimanded for watching a Justin Bieber documentary. Yeah, it, it was wasn't like, about Justin Bieber, guys. It was a, a documentary about bodyguards, and they were just talking about how like people think that you don't need to like. Oh, yeah, don't put up whatever. Kids, you yeah, know? Sure. It was yeah, called yeah, yeah. Justin Bieber Special, only for him. By the way, the Nice Monaco game was two all. Uh, and thank you, uh, Jimmy Connor, for that correction. All right, boys, I want to talk about this. Uh, obviously, you're here. Let's begin uh, with you, Heath, this time around. And then, Jimmy, you chime in. I, I yeah. want to hear this. But Jesse Marsh is not having a good time at Leipzig right now. Um, obviously, it's not easy. The Bundesliga is no joke. And then suddenly you have to play Manchester City away in the Champions League. And then you come back. But, you know, you would think that hopefully just because he knows it well enough that maybe performances should be a little bit better. Heath, how much time... Does he have to correct things? I don't want to completely, you know, be extravagant here, but, you know, this is a results business and Jesse Marsh needs them for Leipzig, especially a huge club like Leipzig. How much time does he have to correct things? And then Jimmy chime in, of course. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, they're four points after five games and obviously had a tough go in the Champions League. I think for Jesse... The only benefit he has is he is a he is a rosin ball sport guy, right? Starting at New York Red Bulls, then going to Salzburg, and now at Leipzig, he's part of this um, Red Bull family. And I think there is a system that they build and develop for players to move within that and managers to move within that that you don't see them having this kind of turnover. Having said that, we saw Hoffenheim was the original sort of like find young players, spend some money. They had the German Bill Gates that was behind it. And then they've now fallen off into this different type of uh, system than they once were. And it can all happen from a, just a couple bad or a couple average seasons. So I think he's, I think he's definitely under the hot seat. I think he'll get it. I think he'll get till January uh, or, or the end of this sort of uh, first half of the season to, to, to write this ship. I do think that they'll, they'll make that harsh change come January if they have to. I don't, they haven't played particularly great. They haven't been horrible either. They've just been bang average. And I've seen Leipzig for long periods of times in the last seasons be really bang average, but very good at a few things, right? Pressing high up the field, winning ball in dangerous positions, counterattack, score goals, and then fight like hell to win games uh, at that point. And again, it's another thing that when it's off or when teams start to figure that out over time, or Jesse comes in with a different mentality on how you motivate players in the Austrian Bundesliga or in Major League Soccer, then how you uh, now motivate a little bit bigger egos and a little bit uh, um, stronger minded players and a little bit higher quality players uh, and how you manage them or micromanage them and those types of things that could be tense in the locker room. We've obviously seen that he's a, he's a player's coach. Most players have spoken really highly about him. So I've been reading lately that there's some turmoil in the locker room or there's some trust issues. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but I do think that he's going to have a little bit longer, but definitely not like an endless leash to just keep the job because he's part of the Red Bull family. Yeah, I agree with Heath uh, with regard to this. I do want to bring up that he has some players that are underperforming. So he bought Andre Silva from Eintracht Frankfurt, who scored 28 goals in 32 league games in the Bundesliga last season. He's got one in seven so far, and that one goal was a penalty. So he is, maybe it's just because he's in a different system. He's not getting in the same spots that he was with Eintracht. But obviously you brought him in to, to somewhat replicate what he did, even half of what he did last year. And now he's being started over Yusuf Polson, who's been a veteran of the club for many, many years. So you have that going on. Then Danny Olmo, who had 14 assists for RB Leipzig last season, he hasn't really been ticking the same way, right? A lot of teams are interested in, in buying Danny Olmo, but he hasn't been playing at that level that we saw last season. Maybe he's tired. You know, he's been playing in a lot of games, played over the summer for Spain as well. So, so a lot going on there. And then you lose Upamakano. You lose Kanate. Your two starting center backs that have been with your team for a couple seasons. Yeah, good yeah, point. You can bring in whoever the hell you want, but it's still going to take time to make that happen. So Orban's there. Simikon, who I do like, still very young as a center back. He's going to be inconsistent. Guardiol is playing left back a little bit as well. Same thing. You're just going to run into a bit of a system issue. And then Sabitzer, who's another guy who's an engine in the middle of midfield, basically handed him off for free to, to Bayern Munich. And now you've lost a lot of key guys in the spine of your team. Another thing that I think they made a mistake on was that they had Patrick Schick, who was one of the stars uh, for the Czech Republic in the Euros. 
they they had him on loan last season and they could have made it permanent and they didn't. They elected to go with Andre Silva instead. And he's bagging goals, by the way. And now he's, he's bagging goals. <laughs> and Zobosly, so, who Marsh had, isn't all is also underperforming. Yes, you got you got all these things that are not working. Is it all on Jesse Marsh? I think he's got to take some responsibility, of course, but it's not as strong of a team as Nogglesman had before. And in fairness, Nogglesman also got his ass kicked in Manchester in the Champions League last season, 5-0 by a United team that's a lot stronger this time around. So so it, it's not all on Jesse Marsh. I know we're very biased and we want to support him no matter what, but but it will, we'll try to be as, as unbiased as we can. But I also think that there's a couple players underperforming. They've had made some structural changes to their, tac- or to their squad, especially in the spine of the team, and you have a couple guys underperforming, and now you've got this situation. So can you quickly turn it around? Yes, they get one win that builds into two, builds into three, and then we're talking about how great a manager Jesse Marsh is, but, but he's got to get that first one first. He does have to get it quick, and obviously it's still early in the season, only five matches. They have uh, Hertha Berlin after this, and then uh, Champions League once again, and some doable games that they can really take care. By the way, uh, Tony says uh, Sabitzer is a big loss. He's a really good player. Kanate played very well this weekend. He did. He played very well Mm -hmm. this weekend. That's right. Uh, nice try about bodyguards, but you can call it just a beaver documentary. <laughs> not fooling anyone. Yes, Tony, we agree. You're not fooling anyone, Eve Pierce. You're not yeah, fooling anyone. A bunch of bullies here, you know, <laughs> like bodyguards, uh, bullies. Let's. Uh, we're gonna do some fun things here as we wrap things. Uh, we'll have a quick Premier League segment at the very end. But first, I want to know the week's biggest winner. The week's biggest winner. Some suggestions, by the way. Ajax scoring 14 goals in two games. Bayern Munich doing their thing. Young boys as well. Erling Haaland, everybody. I don't know if you I, listen. I've run out of words. He scores a brace once again, but one of those goals was just stupid. Yeah, this yeah, man is ridiculous. Yeah, but anyway, that was my Holland pick. I just want to say that. But uh, Heath, let's begin with you. Your biggest winner of the weekend, and then Jimmy, yours after Heath's. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Holland. Also, when I look at it, just the fact that it, it's almost you just wonder like, why is he still there? You know, <laughs> I just constantly look at it. But then you think about who he scores against. He will score against anybody at any level, in any game, in any match, in any round of anything. He will score and he can score and he can do it in every kind of way. I, I, I do think we are looking at a once-in-a-generation player, which we've all obviously all well-established. I think, you know, Des had put the stat in there that 68 goals in 67 games is ridiculous. And, and I think, you know, there's no question on whether or not you can put him at any big club in the world or whether he can convert. He, he, he is one that solves a number of problems for any one of the Juventus. He can solve a problem for, for uh, Manchester anyone, United. Man anyone, City. anyone he's, everyone. He, he's, he's not nothing he, that I've ever seen before. Nothing. He does not need a team around him. He, you put a good team around him, he will make that team great. And and that is a, a very, very special trait that I don't think we see uh, in a lot of number nines who need the service or they need to be put in the right situations with a team around them. He will make any team go from good to great or great to world-class. Okay. Jimmy. Yeah, so I know that we're going to do a little Premier League stuff at the end for fun. I want to say that Real Madrid is <laughs> probably the biggest winner because they went down 1-0 to Valencia. And in the last five minutes of the game, Kareem Benzema and Vinicius both scored to win 2-1 over a Valencia team that had been undefeated, playing very well under Jose Bordalas and Carlo Ancelotti pulling continued rabbits out of his hats, out of his backside. <laughs> And these two guys in particular, Vinicius, honestly, is taking big steps, I think, under Ancelotti. And and obviously, Benzema is still going to be Benzema. I I wouldn't sleep on this Madrid team at this point. Atleti got a draw with Athletic Bilbao this weekend. So Camavinga played. He Camavinga played again, and Rodrigo came on as a super sub, and they both scored those two goals when those two players came on the field. I'm feeling a nice vibe about those two coming on and making a difference. There's something about this Madrid team that maybe I didn't see before mm. that is starting to come to the surface. And that it's those young players that they brought in a couple seasons ago, Rodrigo yep. and Vinicius in particular, that are starting to bear some fruit. And now you add a Camavinga who's hungry to prove and Valverde and everybody else and, and uh, Gutierrez at left back who's 20-year-old. They've got something that uh, that looks pretty good. Now, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. That I don't know if they're the biggest winners of the weekend, but I was – 
pleasantly surprised to see them do it once again. And, and uh, they're going to need all that magic, I think, to but, win that league of the season. Jimmy, the last thing I wanted to say on that, by the way, in terms of recruitment, that's exactly what you want, right? Hey, mm-hmm. young players are stepping up. We're seeing stars come to life. When we're just talking about Holland, we're talking about Mbappe. They're going to want to... You're in a recruiting process right now if you're the coach of Real Madrid, right? Which is who are going to be your next big stars that come in and lead the next generation. You have players now coming up from within, proving that you've made some really good signings. And now you're out telling all the players that you want to bring in, like, hey, look at what we're going to do for the next year, two, three, four, five years, which I think is really important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Vinicius Jr. Uh, elevating his game is, is massive for Real mm-hmm. Madrid. Massive. So, so big. Absolutely. Who's your like pick, Elamy? Who's your pick? Well, what do you think? You to me are everything. <laughs> the greatest winger I have seen. Oh, Bailey. 21 minutes. This Jamaican king comes in and completely changes the game. Danny Ings with a great assist, uh, obviously, for his goal, but his corner, nearly an Olympic. Oh, listen, I just, and obviously, he dedicates uh, his goal um, to Steffi Gregg, who was a, a Jamaican Twitch uh, streamer who, who passed away, sadly, last year. But Leon Bailey, to me, is just curing so many things for me right now. He's making me... He's just, he's just honestly, Aston Villa side, he's a great addition to the Premier League. And you guys should also... Obviously, celebrate. It's just it's always better when the Premier League has some multi diversity from the Concacaf region. Mm-hmm. And Leon Bailey is. Just, I mean, we knew how good he was, obviously in the Bundesliga. But just for me, he, just, he makes me so happy, man. And he's my winner. I, I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> yeah, Bailey, he, right? he, he was. He he came in streaks in, in the Bundesliga, and it's mm-hmm. always hard to sell a Bundesliga player hard as a top yeah it is. player, right? And to see him convert and provide and do the things that you see and in a more consistent level against a different type of opponent, I think is huge for one, our region and two, just for credibility within the Bundesliga of having young players come through it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's do losers now very quickly. Week's biggest losers. Here's some suggestions. Atletico Madrid, Jimmy Conrad, all that firepower, no goals to show for it. I draw Felix red card as well. Uh, Tottenham, maybe just because another three, nothing loss. What do you make uh, for your biggest loser of the weekend, Jimmy? Well, I had one of those as my selections, but I'm going to pivot because one of my former teammates who really helped get the FC Dallas Academy up to snuff and, and helped develop some of the players that are now being sold to Europe from that FC Dallas Academy, Luchi Gonzalez has just been fired, <coughs> excuse me, from the club, which I find to be quite surprising after they lost 3-2 to Houston in a Texas Derby this week. So I'm actually in a bit of shock because I really like what Lucci's about and his coaching style, but it just wasn't enough to ever really kind of push that first team to that next level. And now he's got Ricardo Pepe on his hands. I mean, he has a nice track record of some talent that he has personally developed and helped bring along that are going to go on to have great careers. But it wasn't enough for it to have success. And sometimes I feel like that system is working against him because he's doing so well and that academy is doing so well developing these players. They sell those players on before FC Dallas can really take advantage of what they have to offer. And so maybe a victim of his own success in some ways. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's that's my biggest loser. And I'm, I'm honestly in a bit of shock because uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a good friend of Lucci. And, and I'm sad. I'm wearing an Austin FC thing. Austin FC was up 3-1 over the weekend. They lost 4-3. Josh Wolf was my roommate and teammate with the national team and for the club level as well. And I'm a little bit nervous for him too. So, so anybody yeah. that you meet, Jimmy, basically, <laughs> just, is really all, my, all my friends are in trouble. Jesse Marsh, you <laughs> know, Lucci, Josh Wolf, <laughs> Jimmy Conrad touch. It's, 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 everything's falling apart over here. So anyway, that's, that's my biggest loser, unfortunately. Well, I'm definitely not texting you anymore. Cause I feel like, <laughs> all right, Heath Beers, your loser of the weekend. Honestly, the, you guys have said some really uh, solid ones so far as examples. I'm going with Camber in, in the Eredivisie losing 9-0 to Ooh. Ajax. I don't care, man. That is the same league. And don't get me wrong. There is a huge discrepancy in, in wages and spending. But Ajax still have this young player philosophy. Generally, young players playing, inexperienced players playing that have mm. world-class potential. And to go down... I, I've lost five or six zero. I've been sent off in a five one against uh, a Kaiser Slaughtern. And, you know, I've, I've been through some tough times, but nine is really bad. That's a lot. That is the biggest loser for me. Just pure on scoreline alone, because usually what, you get to what like, what about five or losing to Byron seven zero? You got that same argument? Yeah, for sure. I think that's <laughs> ridiculous. One of them had Lewandowski, though. 
Lewandowski only had one goal, though, I think, I know, in that I game. Know, I know. It's, yeah, but it's he attracts so much attention, right? Yeah, that's it's, that's attention yeah. it's so much attention that they scored six goals somewhere else on the field. <laughs> uh, Everybody no, on I, Lewandowski. <laughs> yeah, well, we took a chance today and just put uh, eight defenders on Lewandowski. It turns out they've got some other guys that can score, too. That's their uh, win. You'll be like, yeah. well, Lewandowski only got one goal. Yeah. And so, like, those are the kinds of score lines that I'm like, just a pride of professionalism where at a certain point you have to just – buckle in and just go fight like hell kick the ball they can't score from the parking lot let's grind it you can't tell me that there's such a level that there's nine or there's seven i think is ridiculous so yeah that's a great point on byron too bokum doesn't get a free pass they're in trouble <laughs> they're, they're on they're on my losers list also you're you're an equal opportunist when it comes to that all right we're gonna wrap things up everybody we're nearly done but we're gonna try and do this very quickly we're going to come back to the premier league because i was a naughty boy and i forgot about this but let's do the managerial power rankings okay so jimmy heath you're going to give me your top three who has impressed you the most so far in the premier league from the top three so heath let's begin with you your top three power okay. rankings premier league i'm gonna do this quick i'm gonna go with uh, liverpool is my number one uh obviously Jurgen Jurgen Klopp. Klopp, he stopped wearing his glasses but he made six changes. He's able to see what uh, the quality of the team is now and, and rotate those guys and live confidently and knowing that he can rotate players that can get him results. So um, I think depth is everything again, as usual. So uh, they, they're finding different ways to win as well. And they're knowing when they need to high press to get those results. So uh, Jurgen Klopp, all credit to him. Number two, Graham Potter, four wins. And I think a loss in the league so far linked with Arteta's job. I'm not sure if he's the right guy, but if you go back years, he was uh, the coach of the fourth division, Ostersund in Sweden. Which uh, well is done on saying Graham Potter. Yeah. Well done. which is central Sweden. But if you were there, you'd say this is the most North I've ever been in my entire <laughs> life. There's nothing here. And he grinded through all that, went to Swansea and now he's got his chance and he's got this team uh, humming uh, and seems to thrive really well in, in these projects where you're kind of, uh, swimming against the current or you're a little bit behind and you're kind of building it to make it better, like incremental improvement. Uh, so all respect to him. My last one shouldn't probably be on this list. Patrick Vieira, uh, just because he's only got five points after I think it's five games uh, this season so far, but we're really seeing uh, a foundation being built there that I think they're going to come that those results are going to come and they're going to come consistently. And just to see him uh, sort of build that foundation, I think is really great, even though, again, you could say he could be on my big, biggest losers because they should have more points than than five at the moment. Love yeah, it. All right, Jimmy, let's go. Yeah, Two, three. I'll, I'll, I'll say Grant Potter is my number one. Uh, I'm speaking about the whole season. I think that uh, he's done an excellent job for all the points that, that Heath mentioned. I'm going to actually say Rafa Benitez uh, at Everton. I know he lost to Aston Villa this past week, but prior to that, they were undefeated, and it's not easy, I assume, to be a former Liverpool coach taking on Everton, the job, and having to convince everybody that, hey, I still got your best interest at heart. I'm not trying to sabotage anything here. So I think what he's done with the squad, I think they're going to have a good season and, and be competing for that top six, maybe around the sixth or seventh spot. And then I want to give a shout-out to Brentford's Thomas Frank. I think he's done a great job with them in particular, and they have, when I look at the standings, they're currently in ninth. Two wins, one draw, and two losses. I just love his vibe. I think he can see things for what they are. I think he really instills uh, a nice belief in his team. And obviously, that first win against Arsenal to start the season was really special for the club. And I hope that they stay up. I think it's a great story. Yeah, no, really good point. And Thomas Frank, by the way, uh, with 10 men, they kept uh, mm -hmm. their Wolf. opponent, Wolves, with no shot on target. Uh, you know, they're very well defensively. Uh, you know, all right, let's talk about, finally, let's go quick here. The top three was falling short of your expectations jimmy we'll go with you this time top three falling short of your expectations i would say marcelo bielsa is on the top of my list and mm. i'm a bit surprised because i just thought and everybody thought they were going like, to push on from where they were last season but i think now that people have maybe been introduced to the tactics of bielsa and might know what's coming a little bit more even though you feel like over a 10-month season people should know what's coming they they just couldn't figure him out and and this season for whatever reason they just they're lacking something i don't know exactly what it is if it's just due to injuries or bamford not scoring those timely goals like i thought he did a lot last season so i'll put bielsa there actually and they're currently in 17th place only three points after five games not good enough i'd say with regard to that i'm gonna throw Mikel arteta in there i know des is throwing stuff in our little private chat about hey he's got six points in five games but you beat norwich and that, like, hit off Nic Nicola Pepe's heel, didn't know anything about it, and Aubameyang kind of tapped it in. And then he got one against Burnley. Yeah, sure, it's away from home. But when you played against teams that actually matter, whether it was Chelsea, that was a 2-0 ass-kicking, or, or the 5-0 slap down by Manchester City, 
Uh, Arsenal really aren't up to snuff with regard hey, to that. What a snob, hey, Jimmy. What a snob. I you am. Are. I, you know what? I am. I am. I'm an Arsenal elitist. <laughs> he, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. I, this guy sucked. Okay. So, so outside of that, though, everybody else is kind of where I expected them to be. Maybe Brendan Rodgers and Leicester in 12th, right mm-hmm. above Arsenal. But the fact that they're managing kind of a back line that's decimated due to injuries, I'm not too surprised. Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United, everybody's kind of else outside of Grand Potter and fourth, you know, in Brighton. Everybody, this is kind of where I expected them to be. So, yeah, I don't have any. I don't have a third. I just have Bielsa and Arteta. No, I All like right. it. I like it. All right, Heath. Okay, I'm gonna go with Daniel Farka. Uh, this sounds tar- terrible, right? Norwich. I know they they're they're like the only team still on the planet that that fu- is self funded. So I'm being very harsh on them. Harsh again. They played Liverpool, City, Leicester, what and Arsenal snob. to start their games. Yeah, this is such bullying. But like they again, they played <laughs> Liverpool, City, Leicester, and Arsenal in their first four games, and then they got Watford. And then I watched them play against Watford, and I was like, this team is absolutely terrible. They got brought <laughs> Kabak, uh, Kabak that was at Liverpool on loan, and he was horrible on loan. Like, if you watched him when he was at Liverpool, you would see that he's not a Premier League quality player. He's a young player on loan from Schalke, and now he's there. Not good enough. And then Hanley, the Scottish international, just doesn't look at the pace you need to be in the Premier League. A little bit slow, a little bit step behind. I know it's a huge challenge, but they had a chance against uh, Watford, that was should have been their real homecoming in, in front of an incredible crowd. And that was my first test of him, and he failed that test. And so he's he's kind of on my biggest losers list. And I think they five losses, a 12 goal difference. But Minus he brought 12. in Josh Sargent. Like he, he showed some <laughs> hey, respect yeah. to an American international. That'd be enough to put him high up your list. He's yeah, I, 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 I do. And he's, he seems like a really nice guy and probably somebody I'd love to do like an October f- fest with or something like that. But that was their test against Watford. Again, they, they battered. The championship, they 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 crushed people through it. And I just don't think they have that same identity because I think you can you can get points in any league in the world if there is just a fight like hell mm-hmm, mentality mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm, organized mm-hmm. and disciplined. You might be on the final weeks of the season for for relegation, but you're one or two wins off of of, of safety at that point. And I think they need, they need to tap into that. Uh, number two is again Arteta for the reasons that Jimmy mentioned. He's not getting uh, off that again power rankings. He's gone up in the power rankings, but still on the season. Um, down near the bottom in terms of performances. And then uh, the last one that I was only thinking of that wasn't uh, discussed was was just David Moyes with the old Mark Noble uh, penalty <laughs> kick. Um, that was one. Yeah, where, like, st- like hold them <laughs> accountable for one move throughout the season. Jeez. Oh, yeah. It's just, I just don't get that. You know, you have enough quality, the rhythm, the feel of the game. And again, nobody expected De Gea to save that. They were already writing that off on a, on a point, you know. Um, and so... Yeah, those are the those are the ones, and as Jimmy said, the rest of them I think are are, are pretty well within. You know, if we're looking at sort of defying my expectations, whether above or below, I think most of them are are rather underwhelming outside of a Leicester or or something like that. I like it. All right, we're gonna say goodbye now. That was a fantastic weekend recap. But before we say goodbye, I want final thoughts, anything, but a very quick thought as we say goodbye. Any more Justin Bieber documentaries? Heath Pierce. Final thought. Uh, yeah, uh, Des, just so you can clip this, uh, I put uh, uh, Mikel Arteta in my uh, best managers of the weekend. Uh, he's great. He's fantastic. He's the best manager <laughs> in the league. Uh, so you can, you can clip this and put it on Twitter for me. That's my final thought. <laughs> Jimmy. I've got no final thought other than I want more podcasts about Heath Pierce watching Justin Bieber documentary. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to follow Kego Lasso on Twitter, YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Kego Lasso, CBS Sports, your CBS Sports app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. That was Heath Pierce. That was Jimmy Conrad. I'm Luis Miguel. Chega CBS Sports. We got plenty more to come. Have a great, great rest of your evening. We'll see you next time.